Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We have started a study now in the book of the Revelation, and we've spent the last number of weeks in chapter 1. Um, and, and Tim, just, just if we could go back there just for a moment. I was intrigued with many times that I've read it mm-hmm. that it popped out. I think the Holy Spirit of God just kind of opened my eyes to see that that when it describes Jesus, it doesn't first describe him as the one who was, but it describes him as the one who is. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is, that is, that's a remarkable uh, picture for me, mm-hmm. that he is. Now, yeah. he was, and he always will be, but he is. And, mm-hmm. and to me, that is a, uh, I don't know, it just warms my heart to see verse 8 of chapter 1 where he is described that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really helps us understand, you know, and because we, we can add this uh, without adding, if, you, if I can put it that way, yeah. that he, he always is, he always was, and he always will be. Yeah. You know, and, and so when you think that concept of he always is, uh, he, he was present with John. He yep. is present with you and I. He was right. present, and he'll be present with our children and our grandchildren, you right. know, and even those that come even after we've gone, uh, should the Lord tarry that long. Um, but it's just this, such a reassuring concept that no matter where we are at any point in time, he's there. You know, the picture that a lot of folk get of the book of the Revelation uh, is like a scary picture. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's, they, they think about it as, as all futuristic, all one of these dimensions of a scary novel mm-hmm. of what's going to happen and all that. But certainly the first three chapters of the book of the Revelation uh, are full of life mm-hmm. and, and present day things. I mean, it, it is the revealing of who Jesus Christ is, right. not only who he was or who he will be, but who he is. Mm-hmm. And... Last night at prayer meeting, I, I was bringing out verses 5 and 6 of chapter mm-hmm. 1. And just to remind you, at, at the end of verse 5, it goes and says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory. Mm. I mean, I look at that in, in, in the book of the Revelation, chapter 1, and I said, wait a minute. Right, right there, he's talking about his great love for us, showing us how much he loved us by washing our sins away mm-hmm. by his blood, which is the only way that we can have our sins washed mm-hmm. away. You know, Clorox won't do it, nothing else will do it, just his blood. And then, in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, we are heirs and joint heirs with him, which means that we have become kings and priests with him. That's right. I mean, I just look at that and say, wait a minute, who would ever think that this is in the book of the Revelation mm-hmm. when you say, oh, it's all futuristic, it's all scary, it's all this. And John is trying to lay a groundwork for us and saying, wait a minute, folks, 
if you know him, this does not have to be scary stuff. Right. It doesn't. Right. But I have had so many Christians say to me, Pastor, I don't read the book of Revelation. It's too scary. It's too overwhelming. It's too this. Mm-hmm. And you know something? I don't see that. Right. Well, I think Kyle advocates, we let the enemy sidetrack us. We, we, he, we allow him to cause us to think that something that that it's really not meant to be primarily. I mean, yes, does it lay out futuristic things? Absolutely. But that was not the purpose of the book. The purpose of this book was to reveal who Jesus Christ is, is. who he was, and who he will be when we come through all of this stuff, and that he is never changing. He raises victorious. We, as his people, have no beginning or end. We will reign with him if we choose to accept him. It's actually a book of great hope yeah. amidst the hopelessness. Right. And that's the key. Is like, here's how bad things are, but do you understand that when you walk with me as, as your Lord and Savior, you walk above the stuff? Yeah. And it has no hold on you. You know, as we now get into chapters 2 and 3, and we're looking at the seven churches... I can't help but look at it, and once again, this is something that uh, to me is missing in the mindset of a lot of Christians or a lot of people who read the book of the Revelation. Mm -hmm. They fail to see the grace Mm -hmm. that is there. Yeah. You know, I mean, even with the first church that we're going to be talking about, the church at Ephesus, uh, we see great grace. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in, in his sharing with this church at Ephesus, mm-hmm. and the same with you and me. Yeah. You know, I asked the question before we got started here today, is when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, what is he going to say mm-hmm. to us? You know, sure, there are going to be things in our life that he's going to reveal to us that mm-hmm. maybe we didn't do as we should have done, or maybe we did that we shouldn't have done, but then he'll say, what? Well done. Well done, that good and faithful servant. So, so you've got that grace. Mm-hmm. You've got the same thing now with, this, with all the churches, but in particular this one in, in uh, Ephesus, because their main flaw was that they lost their passion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and boy, that, to me that's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't ever want to lose my passion for the right. Lord Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to lose my passion for ministry. It's not a job. Once, now to me, that's an office in which God has placed us into. Right. So I don't look at it as, as a, a job that I have to do, you know, nine to five every day, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. it. It's well beyond that. And I don't want to do that. You know, and to to look at what Jesus says, and Jesus is the one speaking to the churches, what Jesus says to this church is, is you've left your first love. To mm-hmm. me, that's scary. It is. To me, that's scary. However, before we get there, we're going to open in prayer. We're going to have you read the scriptures having to do with Ephesus. And read, you know, and, and look at the things that he commends them for. Mm-hmm. And we can do all those, first, all those things, yet we can leave our first love. To me, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's something, that is a warning sign mm-hmm. that I need to keep in my mind. You know, you can do this, 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 and this, and guess what? You can still lose your first love, mm-hmm. and, and that's scary. Yeah. So let's open in prayer, and then I'm going to have you read that scripture. Father, 
I thank you that you have given us the picture of these seven churches. And Father, today, as we look at the church at Ephesus, Father, help us to see, Lord, they did great things. Lord, they, they uh, were a strong body of believers. Yet, Father, for some reason, they left their first love. Lord God, touch all of us that we would have a stronger passion for you than we had even from that first day of salvation because we now see all that you have done and are doing and will do for us. So, Father, be with Tim and I as we minister the Word of God. Be with each one who will be listening, watching. Father God, that you would, your Holy Spirit would be able to flood over all of us and to teach us. Thank you in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So starting at verse 1 of chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. I mean, I just, I, I look at that, and, and it's hard not to just go right over to verse 7 and start this time together mm. off with, he who has an ear, let him hear, because he says that to all seven churches. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm hoping that, that as we do this broadcast and those who will be watching this broadcast will concentrate on, wait a minute, I want to make sure that I have an ear to hear. Mm-hmm what the Spirit of God is saying to me as an individual yeah. and how I can effectively minister in his church, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and not lose my first love. And, and like I said at the outset, one of my biggest fears from salvation up to now 50 years or better than 50 years, 53 years of salvation, is I'm looking at it and saying, wow, I hope I never lose my first love. Mm -hmm. You know, that, to me that's scary. Yeah. And, and when it's talking here about this concept, let he who has ears, let him hear, that what he's basically telling us is, look, don't just, don't just hear the words, actually listen to what's being said. Um, my, my mind goes back to that verse where it says, do not be hearers of the word only, but also doers, doers of, of the word. Yep. Right. James. And, yep. and the, the two have got to go hand in hand. So that's what he's referring to here is don't just listen and don't just hear what the words that are being said, but let them actually impact you so that it, it prompts change to get back to where you need to be. You know, I, I, I find this interesting, this, what you're saying here, because how many times, and I'm sure we've done it, I'm sure people do it in our churches, is, you know, you go through the worship service and you, you know, you listen to the message and you sing the songs and you do all the stuff that you do in your, in your various types of worship, but then you get around the table to have lunch 
and you try to discuss what's going on in church and you can't even remember what the message was. You know, I mean, come mm -hmm. on. But he that hasn't heard, let him hear. Right. And that means take it in, chew on it, you know, uh, digest it, spit mm -hmm. it up, digest it some more, do it. You know, yeah. and, and to me, that is of utmost importance for all of us. Exactly. You know, not just simply read a portion of scripture and mm -hmm. say, okay, I've done my duty. And then five minutes, minutes later, not be able to remember, remember what you have read. Mm -hmm. um, no, I want, to, I want to have a passion where, wait a minute, you know, God, I, I, I want to know him better and better and better every day. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is, that is a driving force. In, in my yeah. life, and I hope it is mm -hmm. in everybody's life that, that is here. So let's go and verse by verse of the Church of Ephesus. First of all, let's identify who's the angel of the church. Those would be referring to the ministers, um, the spiritual leaders, okay, the churches so the, at those in that time. So with that uh, picture, Tim, mm -hmm. is there a special responsibility that you and I, for example, you and I as pastors have yeah. uh, in regards to God's church. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I look at this in each of the seven churches, he's speaking specifically to the spiritual leader, to the pastor and elders of the church and saying, look, I have given you a responsibility mm -hmm. to minister to my people. Yeah. Now, let's remember who these people are. Mm -hmm. Who are they? They're the bride of Christ. That's right. So we are to prepare them for the wedding feast. Mm -hmm. We are to prepare them for the time in which, you know, they go to be with the Lord Jesus mm -hmm. and, and spend eternity with him yeah. and worship him. Mm -hmm. And we're responsible for that. That's it. And it's coming back, I think, like as you had said before, about how he has made us kings and priests. Um, but yet the tendency is for the church to actually, as we look back at the Old Testament, I think it was the prophet Hosea, um, where we see a great picture of the love of, that God has for the church, but how, you know, we as people many times, we live like the harlot, not like the kings and the priests. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where the this angel of Ephesus responsibility was, was to say, hey, you know, this is the tendency. I have raised them to be kings and priests. Now your role is to help them live that, that calling. Way. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I remember uh, during our, our time together before this, you know, talking a little bit about, the, about this program, um, I'd made a statement that it really seems to me that the church in many ways has prostituted itself mm -hmm. to the world yep. and not to the word of God or the right. God of the word. And we have to be very, very careful. And, and in my view, and you can correct me or you can help me with this, in my view, who is God going to hold responsible? Mm -hmm. You know, to me, that's scary. Yeah. But, it, but it is a, it's a great honor mm -hmm. that he has called us out to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. And, and something that should bring a, an intense soberness yeah. to, to those that are in leadership or anyone who desires that role. Right. Uh, because And this is not something new. This is not something just to the book of Revelation. Right. You see this character of God throughout the scriptures. You go all the way back to even Moses and think about him and as he's leading the children out of Egypt. How many times did Israel mess up? Yep. How many times did they do deliberate things that were huge slaps in the face of God, but yet God still 
brought them along. Yeah, yeah. yeah there are times that he was ready to say, okay, and, and did exercise judgment. But for the most part, there's incredible grace. And you've got Moses who is walking with God and who's communing with God. and He's doing everything right. And then he strikes that one rock twice instead of once. Yep. Yeah. And the level, and, and that kept him from entering into the promised land. And I'm sure, I don't know about you, but if I would have been Moses, I would have been like, well, hold it. How many times did Israel yeah. mess up? But the thing is, is it's understanding that where, and, and we all know this, even from the world, you know, anyone that's worked in any workplace, as goes the leadership in the workplace, as goes the, those that oversee that business, you will see that permeate into that the trickle-down effect, yeah. right, in, into the life of that organization as a whole. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ, and God knows this, that if I've called you to be a leader, I need you to do, resemble me to the utmost possibility that you can, because to the extent that you don't, they won't. Right. You know, you can, the old phrase, you can't lead where you won't go. Right. You're the blind leading the blind. And so it's so crucial that he does hold us to that higher standard. It's a great honor. It's a great privilege. But <laughs> using the words of the old Spider-Man comic, right? Yeah. Uh, to him who as much as given, there's great responsibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, so to me, I, I look at this and I just say, wow, as I read through now these seven churches and he goes and he, and he shares the responsibility, this is who I'm going to hold responsible. Mm -hmm. Then he goes and even confirms it deeper in verse one, because he goes and says, okay, to the angel, to the pastor, to the spiritual head of the church, these things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Wait a minute. Who is in charge? Mm -hmm. He is. God is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love it when people refer to CCC. That's our church, Community Christian Church. CCC is their, is their church. But let's all also remember, wait a minute, no. CCC is his church. Right. His church first. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to say, well, my home church is CCC or, or uh, Life on Main or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. That's my home church. But it's his church. Why? Because he's the one who is holding it in his hand. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is, that's a picture of, of security. Mm -hmm. It's a picture of God's ruling and mm -hmm. ownership. You know, and that's what the church is. Yeah. And if we go all the way back, you know, for those that may not have uh, tuned in, and we encourage you to go back and watch the other episodes, but um, if you did not get a chance to tune into when we talked about chapter one, he defines those seven stars and the seven lampstands. The seven stars represented the angels, those spiritual right. leaders, and those seven golden lampstands represented the churches. So right. what he is at essence saying here, and we can say this because he defined this earlier, yep. these things says he who holds the church leaders in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the church. Yep. Right. And, and so that is the, so it's this aspect that, look, the, the people I have placed in these roles over these churches, you're right here. You know, you're in my right hand, not my yep. left hand, yep. my right hand, which represented hand authority and favor right. and blessing. And so I hold you in the palm of my hand, but I'm also walking in the midst of the church. Yeah. But that means I'm, as I'm walking in the midst of the church, I've got you in the palm of my hand. So as the church at large, we need to begin, I think, sometimes to look, and I'm not saying this just simply because we are those spiritual leaders. Right. Uh, I would have said this long before I became a pastor 
that we need to understand that those pastors and those spiritual leaders over our fellowships, when they speak and as they operate in accordance with what they honestly believe is the Word of God, we need to honor that Word yeah. as though it is God Himself. Because yeah. they, as they speak, they're speaking from the palm of His hand. You know? Yeah. So it's He that holds. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things that I try to do at our church, Tim, is this. As I try to show the people, try to reveal to the people, when you sing the hymns, are you singing so that your neighbor can hear how good a voice you have? Mm. Or are you singing unto him? Mm-hmm. Because he is in the midst of us. Right. We are to sing as unto him. That's right. Just as I am to speak as unto him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are to give praise as unto him. We are to give requests as unto him. Mm-hmm. Because he is there in the midst. And I try to, try to share that with my people. You know, I said, you know, you look here in the auditorium and right smack dab in the middle of this, this center aisle, there's a seat where Jesus is. Just remember, he is here mm. because he's in the midst of us. We're two or three are gathered together in my name. What? There I am in mm-hmm. the midst of them. Yeah. So sing as unto him. Mm-hmm. Um, do your, your speaking as unto him. Mm-hmm. You're praising as unto him. Your request as yep. unto him. Not so that your neighbor can say, wow, aren't they spiritual? Or wow, you know, mm-hmm. they... No, no, no. Do it as unto him. We have come to worship him. That's right. Not each other. Not to impress the pastor. Not to impress my neighbor. Mm-hmm. We are here to worship him because he is in the midst of us. And that's right. what it's saying in verse 1 to me. Exactly. You know, because like you pointed out wonderfully who walks in the midst of the seven golden uh, candlesticks. So, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. He's walking in the midst of us. That's why, verse 8 of chapter 1, he is. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I'll never forget that, Tim. When you pointed that out to me Mm. a few weeks ago, I'll never forget that now. Because he is. Mm. You know, and I just said, wow. I mean, a light bulb just came on and said, woo, guess what? Mm -hmm. To me, that's neat. All right. So now, what is Jesus saying? Now remember, Jesus is the one speaking. This is not John speaking. All right? John's recording it, but this is what Jesus says. Verse 2. I. I whom? Jesus. I, Jesus. Right? Know thy works. Mm -hmm. How many of us are so well aware today that Jesus Christ is watching our life? Mm. Everything about our life. You know, yeah. when I go someplace, I'm taking him with me. Mm-hmm. If I keep that in mind, are there some places that I really wouldn't go? Mm-hmm. If I really thought or really knew that Jesus was walking with me in mm-hmm. that place? Or are there things that I wouldn't say if I really realized that he was the one standing there with me? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I see in this right. portion of Scripture. I know your works. Everything you do. Mm-hmm. By the way, how many of us know God is keeping a record? God keeps accurate books. Mm-hmm. You know, it says at the end that he will open the books. One, mm-hmm. one is the book of life. One is the, the one um, where he sees our works and does that. He, he keeps the books. Mm-hmm. So that when we stand before him, none of us are going to say, well, wait a minute, Lord, I think you miss." misinterpreted that. No. He's going to say, let me show you. you know, mm-hmm. I kind of picture 
you know, when I get to heaven, that God's going to have this, this, this big um, amphitheater. He's going to say, sit down and watch your life. Mm-hmm. And let me show you. Yeah. You know, what, what happened. Yeah. But unlike a lot of other religions that are out there, we are not saying that you're somehow saved by your works. No. Nope. You know, um, he knows our works, but he does not say we're saved by them, right? And, and like you said, you know, there, there's, believe, like those two sets of books. They're not both going to be open, I don't think, at the same time. Yep. See, because there's one that trumps the other. Yep. And the one that trumps the other is the book of life. Right. And that is firmly and only based not on anything you've done, not, but it's on everything that he's he done. And whether or not we chose to accept the price that his son paid for our sins. And it tells us at that point, if we've accepted, accepted him as both our Lord and our Savior, that our name is written in that book of life. Right. So that's the first book to get opened up. Right. That, that, that's kind of the weeding out, if you will. So everybody will stand before him and hear from that book. Yep. And if your name's in there, you're going to be in with him for eternity. If yep. it's not, eternal damnation. Right. Right. But then after that book has been opened, after that weeding has happened, now what stands before him is simply the righteous, the redeemed, those that already have their guaranteed place in heaven. Right. Now he opens up the other book. Yeah. That says, okay, now let's take a look at your life. Yeah. And now there'll be some other blessings. Now, let's understand one thing. There's no slums in heaven. Yeah. You know, everybody is going to be treated well there. But the scripture does make it clear that there will be rewards. There will be blessings that will be placed on those that have lived their lives accordingly. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of people, and once again, I think this is a misconception that a lot of people have, is that when we view heaven, a lot of people uh, think, well, you know, my loved one is now in, pre- in heaven where there's not going to be any more tears. And Wait a minute. No, Scripture does tell us that there will be tears in heaven. Mm-hmm. There will be te- And I personally believe that there will be tears during those times that you just described. Mm-hmm. Now, he does say that he's going to wipe away all tears. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you just imagine the God of the universe coming and wiping away your tears from maybe those things that we did that we should not have done or those things that we didn't do that we should have mm-hmm. done, but he's going to wipe away those tears. But there mm-hmm. is going to be that moment, yeah. I think, when, when we stand at the Bema seat, mm-hmm. you know, and he hands the rewards out. And, you know, he, that's what he's doing here. He goes and he says, look, church at Ephesus, I know your works. Mm-hmm. I know your labor. You know, I know that, you, you know, they were a dynamic church. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way that they, they served, you know, I mean, just read the, you know, the book of Ephesians mm-hmm. and, and find out, you know, that they're saved by grace and not by works and so forth. Mm-hmm. They preached that. They loved yep. that. They, they, they knew that. If there was a model church right. in, in the early days, Ephesus yeah. was it. Yeah. So he goes and says, look, I know your works. I know your labor. I know how how dedicated you are to me. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, I mean, we look at all of this and we, and we go down through it and we say, wow. I mean, I, I just wrote down some things. They are a dynamic, dynamic church, verse 2. Yep. They are a dedicated church, verse 2. They are a determined church, verse mm-hmm. 2. They're a disciplined church. Mm-hmm. They're a discerning church. Yep. However, guess what? There's still something missing. Yep. You know, and, and to me, that, that goes and helps me to see, you know something, there's always room for growth. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. Even when you look at a church like Ephesus, there's, a, there's room for mm -hmm. growth. Yeah. yeah, but the incredible thing with this church is it's not like this is something that they were just lacking. It's something they had. Yeah. yeah. And they somewhere along the line forfeited it. Yeah. And now he's saying you need to get it back. Yeah. Matter of fact, if, if you know, we want to go through all the rest of the verse, but I think in verse 5 is the one that's really key to what you just said, Tim, where he goes, Jesus goes and says to us, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Do you remember that, that time? Yeah. I mean, I remember August 11th, 1969. Mm -hmm. That's the day of my salvation. I remember what happened. Mm -hmm. I remember the message. I remember everything about it. Yep. You know, and, you know, it just stays fresh in my mind. Why? Because God says, I want you to remember. Go back to there. Mm -hmm. Rehearse mm -hmm. what it was like that day when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Mm -hmm. And how you looked at, you know, you said, wait a minute. I can't believe I'm, I'm clean. Mm -hmm. My wife and daughter sing a beautiful song, and it's entitled Clean. Mm -hmm. and, and Beth goes, and she, she sings about her life or you know the life of the one who wrote the song and and tells about some things that ought not to have been but then she goes and, and dynamically sings, mm -hmm. but i'm clean i'm clean you know and and for example go back to verse five of chapter one what did he do mm -hmm. he washed us how with his mm -hmm. blood you know so we are clean through yep. the blood of Jesus Christ, not through anything which we've done. Mm -hmm. So when you look here in verse 2, and you look at, okay, the labors, the patience, um, you, you, you can't stand sin, mm -hmm. right? That's what he says in verse 2, and all these things. That isn't what saved him. Right. You know? No, that isn't what saved him. Mm -hmm. What saved him was having that relationship with Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. trusting him as their own personal Lord and Savior. Yeah. It's understanding what is it that God really looks at. And what he's making clear and reiterating here is we see other places throughout Scripture that what matters to me most is not the actions that you perform. It's the attitude of your heart. Yeah. It, it, it's where you are. You know, I think back to when Jesus was walking the earth and he looked at the Sadducees and he, and he had all those wonderful words of encouragement for them, like looking at them and saying, you're nothing but whitewashed tombstones. Yep. You know, you look pretty on the outside. You got all the right, you know, you're doing all the right stuff, but you're full of dead bones on the inside, yep. you know. But yet then you got people like the Apostle Paul that he spoke through in Romans 7 and 8 where he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't yep. want to do, I end up doing. I'm, I'm not living, I, I'm not performing the actions that my heart wants to do. My, I still seem to keep messing up. But then verse 8, chapter 1, there's, how there's no therefore no condemnation for right. those that are in Christ Jesus. So what he was saying is not that his actions didn't matter, but there's something greater than the actions. It's where's the heart. So you could do all the wrong, you could do all the wrong things... But if in your heart it is to want to serve him, he'll work those things out. Yeah. You know, that's why there's no condemnation. But you can do all the right things and not have the right heart. And, yeah. and as you said, you know, thinking back, and I think that what he's referring to is, and it might be jumping ahead of ourselves here by looking at verse 4 and think about this first love. But as you said, thinking back to when we first came to know Christ. And he's saying, these are all great things you're doing. You're doing a lot of great mature stuff as a Christian. But... 
you forgot something. And, and, and I think back to when I first got saved yep. and the enthusiasm that I had for God. And you know what? It wasn't based on what ministry I was doing or anything else. It was just I was just so excited about my relationship with Jesus. I wanted everybody to know. And I'll never forget when we were at family camp that actually they just had theirs in upstate New York just this last week. And um, but I have fond memories of that camp because that's where my parents bought me my first Bible in the little bookstore at the yep. back of the tabernacle after the service was over. They bought me my first Bible, which I, by the way, still have yeah. today. Wow. And, um, but I remember when I got that, it was like, oh, how awesome is this, you know? But somehow, the longer we walk with God, we seem to lose that. Yeah. We, we tend to, maybe not so much lose, but we forget. Yeah. And we have to almost remind ourselves, you almost have to go back and relive. And I, and I think of some marriages are like this, yeah. right? You, you, you're with someone 25, 30, 40, 50 years, and you, know, you just get used to them being there. And we begin to take them for granted. And we have to keep taking ourselves back. That's why I think anniversary celebrations are so important, because it brings you back yep. to that first day. Yep. Oh, I remember that. Oh, and I remember the days that we dated. And you know, and all that sort of stuff where, where things were fresh, where there was that newness of life. And, and that's what he's really getting at is don't, don't lose sight of that relationship. Don't lose sight of the passion amidst all of the other stuff. Yeah. And, and, and they lost sight of it. Yeah. And once again, I mean, all the other stuff is important, mm -hmm. but we need to keep it in perspective. Yes. And, and to me, that is the key. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to, okay, I know thy works, verse 2. I know your labor. I know your patience. <laughs> and that, what is that patience for? I mean, what were they patient of or... Well, I think it was patience in a lot of well. The, the word patience that we have there is actually often translated the word long suffering. Yeah. You know, so it's, which means to suffer long, right? And and so I, I think it was. I think the patience was twofold. Number one, well, probably threefold. Patience in their labor. Yeah. Right. Just to keep on keeping on. There's patience with themselves. Yep. You know, in their growth, but it was also patience with others yep. to be able to exercise grace to others. Can I bring one more? Yeah. How about patience and waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely. You know, because they were longing for that. Mm -hmm. They wanted it. And so he goes and he says, look, I know your patience. I know how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And once again, you use the word patience and it's perseverance. I, I, liked, I, I use the, the definition putting up with. Mm. You know, what is forbearance? Sometimes just tolerating or putting up with somebody or something, mm -hmm. you know, that's, to me, the picture I get yeah. sometimes. And he, and he looks at it. But then he goes and says, but you can't bear them who, who, which are evil. Now, he's not saying that, he, that we ought to hate the people, right. but we ought to hate their sin. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus Christ did. Yeah. And the closer that you get to God, the more into his likeness you become, those things nauseate you more and more and it's not again that we're nauseated by the people like you said but it's just when you draw you can't it's impossible to draw closer to god and into his holiness and into his righteousness and not create more of a distaste yep. for this other stuff yeah you know they, they go hand in hand you know I, I i look at it and once again I, you know i'm looking at the church of today and how much or how far have we gone from 
loving God's righteousness and God's holiness and God's purity and how much have we tolerated in our churches today mm-hmm. where what used to be a horrible, sinful act is no longer that. Mm-hmm. Paul goes and says that we are to see the sinfulness of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, but that seems to be lacking yeah. in our society, in our world, in our churches, where the sinfulness of sin is, is, is a putrid mm-hmm. smell or taste to us. Mm-hmm. And Ephesus had it. You know, it said that. Yeah. Thou cannot bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them. In fact, he even goes a little further down here in verse 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds. He doesn't say thou hatest the Nicolaitans. Right. No. Hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Those are those who pretended, you know, and, and had almost thought of themselves as being superheroes in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. Right. They were pretenders. Mm-hmm. And he says you, they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So, so here's the mm-hmm. church that, you know, they weren't thinking that they were, they were great or that they were above everybody else. But when it came to sinfulness, they recognized it. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to stay away from it. They mm-hmm. didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. And how much today have we as a church, and I'm talking generalization, but have we as a church, have we fallen from that? Mm-hmm. You know, where sinfulness is no longer, exceeding sinfulness is no longer sinful. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't seem to be there anymore. Right. Or if you have a pastor who preaches against sin and preaches on hell, boy, people don't want to go and listen to him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm going to be offended because that's my pet sin or that's my pet thing. Well, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So he's saying to the church here at Ephesus, look, I know your labor. I know your patience. I know your attitude towards sin. I know how you hate sinfulness and sinful things. I know that. Um, I know that those who are pretenders, and he says that in verse 2, which say they are apostles. Now they say it, but they aren't acting it. Right. They aren't living it. Mm-hmm. They aren't revealing it. So mm-hmm. therefore, what do you do with them? Sorry, you're not an apostle, right? Um, and are not, and has found them liars. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you sugarcoat it and say, well, you can still be my pastor, or you can still be my deacon, or you can... No. Right. Ought not to be. So this is the church in Ephesus. Um, verse 3, Thou hast borne and has patience, and for my name's sake thou hast labored and hast not fainted. So they persevered. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the church that wasn't going to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and what a picture. And, you know, look at this and say, man, I want to be like the church at Ephesus, right? That's who we are. Yep. Then he goes and he drops the hammer. Yep. You know, in verse 4. Nevertheless, and this is Jesus speaking, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And I look at that, Tim, and I, and I look at me and I say, you know, okay, you know, 50 years of service and I've seen a lot of people come to Christ and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But then when I stand before him, is Jesus someday going to say to me, nevertheless, Harold, mm-hmm. I have somewhat against you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to me, that's scary. You know, mm-hmm. Not that I think I'm going to lose my salvation, because I don't think I am. Not that I don't think he's going to um, say 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But just to hear those words, mm -hmm. but I have someone against you. Mm -hmm. You know, and wow. Not that I expect that we as human beings can be perfect, because mm -hmm. I don't think that we can be. Right. But still, Jesus talking to the church at Ephesus, nevertheless. Now, remember now, he commends them, highly mm -hmm. commends them. I mean, I look at the first three verses and say, man, talk about being commended highly mm -hmm. your labors your patience and and your your hatred for sin and you know it's a resume every church would be would be would, thrilled would to love have. would love mm -hmm. to have would love to have but then he goes this is jesus then he goes in verse four nevertheless i have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love so let me ask you a question what is it Jesus desires most? Does he, does, he desire, does he desire us to be out every night and doing all kinds of things, yet we don't spend any time with him? Not what he desires at all. You know, this is not a yes or no answer. Yeah, no, it is <laughs> yes not. or no it answer. Is not. Um, you know, what does, he, what does right. God desire? Well, 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Right? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I have all prophecy and all knowledge, if I do all these things, but I have not yeah. love... It's all for nothing. Yep. Makes it very clear. It's like yeah. love has got to come first. Because if we don't love, then everything else we do is just noise. It, yeah. It's just, it, it's filled with death. If we want it to bear the life that God wants it to bear, it cannot happen apart from love. And we cannot love unless we are in touch with he who, whose very character is love, love. which is God himself. Yeah. You know, I think of two people. I think of Mary Martha. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them are believers. Both of them love the Lord Jesus. Both of them, in my view, probably have a, a much better resume than I. Mm -hmm. However, you look at Martha, when Jesus comes to have supper with them, she's out doing stuff. She's cooking, she's cleaning, she's making everything pretty, she's doing all this stuff, and she's in a frenzy, and she's all this. And then you have Mary. Mm -hmm. What is she doing? Sitting at the feet she's of Jesus. She's there sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha says to the Lord, Jesus, would you please tell Mary to go set the table? What does Jesus say? Mary's doing the good thing. Yeah. In fact, um, it actually says, and, and this is the, the awesome thing, because uh, different translations say it a little bit differently, but, and, and the more accurate translation of that is when he says, Mary has chosen that which is better. Yeah. Never said that what Martha was doing was wrong or was evil or was not yeah, doing the best with thing. right motive even, but just, look, if you've got to choose one or the other, my feet is the place to be. Yeah. Then do all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's the thing, is spend time with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you saw that with her because basically what was she doing? What Martha was doing in the midst of her, and I guess you could say she was a picture of this church of Ephesus, yeah. because she was doing all the right things, but because she wasn't spending time at the feet of Jesus, what did she do? Jesus, she judges Martha, or yeah. Mary, by saying, would you tell her to go do this? But also, later on, um, almost, it doesn't come out and say, I'm finding fault with you, Jesus, but it's like, Jesus, it's, you know, the reason she's not helping me is because she's with you. Yeah. And so it was, in essence, casting judgment on Christ himself. Yeah. And so that's the dangerous road that it can take us down if we're not careful. And you see it kind of unfold as you read through the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, you see a little bit more of that, you know. At the death I, of Lazarus, yeah. what does Martha say? 
Lord, if you had been here, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have died. Right. I mean, to me, I mean, that is in the way I'm seeing it. And I'm, and I'm really don't want it to be thought as a heresy. But you know, I'm looking at it and saying, wait a minute, the gall of her to do that. But that's what she was saying. She was saying, look, mm-hmm. Lord, I know that you could have healed my brother if you'd mm-hmm. been here. Yeah. But you were in Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. 10 miles, 15 miles away. You were, you were a long ways away from us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so she was reprimanding him. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because she was doing, 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 yeah. and not spending time at his feet. Mm-hmm. And that's how, to me, I look at this and I say, wait a minute. Jesus is saying to us in mm-hmm. verse 5, remember when you were first saved, how you, you couldn't get enough of my word? You get up in the morning and you open the Word of God to spend some time with mm-hmm. me, or you got up in the morning and you and you had time of just conversation with me, and I was on your heart mm-hmm. and you were thinking of me, and and you know it was precious, and all during the day mm-hmm. you were doing that, but then you started getting busy. Yeah. And because you were getting busy, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it happens in marriages. I mean, Patty and I've been married fifty years, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, goodness, it, it's. You know, like you said, we kind of take each other for granted mm-hmm. and we kind of forget. Well, the parable of the prodigal son, right? And I'm not talking about the prodigal. I'm yeah. talking about the other guy the in the guy, picture, yeah. his, his older brother. Yep. Right? When the son comes back and here's this older brother who stayed through it, through the thick and through the thin, never left the father's side, was always there. The son, the, the prodigal comes back has a ring put on his hand, rope put on his back, Fatty and cap. what happens with the elder son? What, what's up with this? You've never yeah. even allowed me to have a fatted calf for me and my friends. Yep. Immediately turns it against the father. Yep. Why? Because he lost sight of his first love, which was his father. And father had to bring him back to that. Look, you know that everything I have is yours. Right. You know, you and I, I mean... We're like this, basically what he's saying. And but you've lost sight. Yep. What? When did you do this? And and so this is again. It's not the only time we see him proclaiming this message. Yep. And, and I think that's a message we as the church really need to hear. Is especially the longer that we're walking with him, are we are we coming back? Are, are we making sure we're keeping that passion fresh? Yep. And the way we do that is through our prayers, through our worship, it's through our time in the Word. Not because we have to, but just to be with him because we want to right we want to you know and you know and that's one of the things that for example i mean being married so long with patty and so forth just to want to spend time with it just to say to her honey let's go for a ride just mm-hmm. you and me let's just go for a ride you know and that means more to my wife than if i bought her a diamond mm-hmm. you know only because why i getting back to those first times when mm-hmm. we was poorer than church mice and we didn't have anything and the only thing we could give each other is just our time and spending time together mm-hmm. you know and that's what i think he's saying in verse five remember therefore from whence thou art fallen yeah. remember the first time remember the first time that i was introduced to you and you found out that i died for your sins and you found out that i would wash your sins and make you pure and holy and white Mm-hmm. And you just sat there, and, and I did. I just, mm-hmm. I was on my face, and I was bawling like a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I was bawling like a baby because I recognized that my God 
totally washed me with his precious blood. Verse 5, chapter 1, that that is exactly what he did. And I never want to forget that he took away my sins. Mm -hmm. If I lose sight of that and I pay attention to all the peripheral stuff, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I'm losing, I'm I'm leaving my first love. Mm -hmm. Because my first love is what? I love him, why? Because he first loved me. Mm-hmm. So we got to be careful of that. We need to get back yeah. to the first love. Yeah. What were we qualified to even do when we first came to know him? Just staying, Very little. Just be at his feet just be pretty at his feet. much. Right. And, and I think that's why where he brings us back there at the end of verse 5 after he said that, remember yep. from where you found, he said, now repent, right. which again, that's acknowledging where you've been, confessing where you've been, but now actually turning and going the other direction, yep. putting your feet where it is. And then says what? And do the first works. Yep. So I, what I did, Tim, is at the end, um, I have verses 5 through 7, especially 5 and 6, Remember, repent, repeat. Do those first things. Repeat, all right? Go back. Mm-hmm. Do it again. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I, I see that, that that's what's needed to do with, with friendships. That's what's needed mm-hmm. to do with, with marriages. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to go back and repeat, you know, those moments that, that were so precious to us mm-hmm. and say, wait, you know, we got to go back there. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus is saying to this church at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. I want you to remember from when you have fallen. I want you to repent because you have fallen. And I want you to repeat what you used mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. That you used to come and spend time with me. Yeah. You know, you used to want to just, just bask in, in who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is the important thing. Yeah. And to drive home how important that is he makes it sound pretty stern, right? Yep. Or else yeah. I'm going to come quickly and remove your lamp stand from its place unless you repent. And some people say, well, that's pretty harsh. Look at how many good things they're doing. And over this one little thing, he's going to do that. It's like, yeah, but think about the one thing. The one thing is on which everything else is supposed to be built. Yep. You take away the foundation of the house, what's left? Yep, nothing. It's going to crumble in no time at all. So what he's saying is understand how serious. I know know you've got 99% of it right, but this 1% is the vital 1%. And you've got to get this down, even if it means messing up on some of the others. This is how important this one thing is. You've got to come back to my love. And there's always hope. Mm-hmm. Verse 7, and i got to get closing because Colin is giving us a high sign. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Yeah. There's always hope. That's right. Lord, I can come back to my first love. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to my first love. I want to have that love relationship like I had back in 1969, mm-hmm. 1970 when I yeah. first got saved. And, and, you know, they just couldn't shut me up. Yep. And I haven't shut up since, but they just couldn't <laughs> shut me up. And, you know, it was just so real right. and, and just so intimate to me. I got to stay there. I mm-hmm. want to stay there. That is the church at Ephesus. Yeah. Okay. Next week, we'll look at the church of Smyrna, mm-hmm. right, and, and see what God has to say to them. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We have morning worship at um, 
on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont at 9.30 every Sunday morning. Just lost my train of thought for a minute. 9.30 every Sunday morning there at uh, Community Christian Church in Athens. We do have an evening service, 6 p.m. every Sunday night. We have Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night prayer meetings. Um, come on out. If you're in the area, please stop in and say hi to us. And I know you also have a vacation Bible school coming up. Coming up next Monday, we have BBS. Um, Which is the... What day of the week? It's the, Monday the, through Friday. The, the, that's July 22nd? Um, well, July 22nd is that Friday, so it goes back, be what, the 17th through the 22nd right. or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just not sure when this is yep. going to be online. So yep. that's, yeah, so it's going to be, you know, so it's, uh, I think it's five-year-old through uh, sixth grade or seventh mm -hmm. grade, whatever. You know, so if you have young people that age, bring them out to Athens. Great program. It's a spy program, so mm -hmm. the kids ought to get into it. It'll be fun. Nice. And we're going to be doing a vacation Bible school at Life on Main as well. Um, Life on Main meets at the, uh, the Charlestown Senior Center at 223 Old Springfield Road every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We have worship service. We have coffee hour at 10 o'clock. We also have a cottage prayer meeting that meets um, at our house at 276 Main Street uh, every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. And you're welcome to join us for those. But we also have a vacation Bible school the following week, following week. Uh, which is the last week of July, and ours has a technology theme to it. So uh, great things to get your kids involved with in both of these areas. Yep. So, yep. And that will also be at the Charlestown Senior Center. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning into this broadcast. We want to thank uh, the um, the technology people here, uh, Colin and Alex, who do so much to make this program a reality for us. Uh, so hats off to them. We also want to let you know about our social media sites as well. Uh, we can find us um, all over the internet. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook Heartline Ministries. You can also find us on YouTube at bit.ly slash Heartline Ministries. You can also find us on Rumble now, uh, which is a video site at um, by just looking up Heartline Ministries channel in the search bar there. And you can also find us on Truth Social at truthsocial.com slash at Heartline Ministries. And uh, we also are on our podcast channels. Uh, most podcast providers carry us, so you can look us up there if you're looking for just the audio version. Okay. Thank you so much, and hope to see you next week.